What is going on everybody and welcome back to Salty Runback here to be your weekly intake of North American Developmental League of Legends. Here's another milestone, Pop the Champagne, episode 40, coming your way. It's been a really fun time to hang out with you guys for the past 40 episodes, so thank you very much. And we make sure that this one is just as exciting as the last. And in terms of celebrations, we have some other stuff to talk about, which we could get into in a little bit. But we wrapped up our first NACL qualifier. Congratulations to Aporia for taking the victory. We'll talk about them a little bit later, because obviously things have looked very different from the last time we talked about that team. Um, as well as the NACL, continuing to trudge along inside its regular season so make sure to stay tuned for all of that as well as our part two where we'll be doing a bit of a recap and a check-in with the community on what people think about the nacl qualifiers specifically so far but before we do that gotta introduce ourselves my name is grapes i'm joined alongside hawk hawk how are you doing today you know grapes i'm i'm doing all right it was a beautiful day in los angeles earlier today and i don't know i crushed a job interview this morning so that's okay cool. yeah we're we're hanging in there you know Getting, getting our foot into into the real world as well as trying the, our the best at world, least, you know? yeah, just, yeah. Just gotta gotta make sure we stay well rounded, obviously, and uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you are watching this, this is immediately following our last episode of Tier Three tonight, where we also did the reveal show for all 32 teams that made it into the second qualifier. Make sure you stay tuned uh, in terms of you know watching that show every Thursday on the LCS Challengers channel. It's been a lot of fun, been a lot of work, and I hope that everybody has been enjoying it so far. Uh, we also have CLO Central, where we'll have, I believe, St. Louis University playing in their collegiate match this Friday night at, I believe, 8 p.m. Make sure to check our socials to make sure you're all caught up to date on that. But, Hawk, I think it's about ready to talk about a ton of interesting stuff that happened in the developmental scene here this past week. Yeah, uh, a lot of interesting stuff did happen, so... Uh, let's get into it. I'll, I'll transition us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you all for, again for, for tuning into not only our main episode last week, but also our special edition about Morningstar White. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts about that situation and you did not get to catch that, of course, make sure to check out that uh, part on its own. But we will be talking about some other stuff that happened because all of that is important, especially um, as we you know still have a lot more League of Legends to play here in the spring. So starting things off with our first headline, we'll go over to the NACL. And unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about one of our personal favorite teams, a fan favorite team that is continuing to struggle, disguised. Uh, unfortunately, dropped another series, I believe, Cincinnati Fear, that puts their record at 1-5. and five, And they now have officially eclipsed the halfway point of their season in ninth place. If the season ended today, they would be in that promotion tournament. Hawk, how worried are you about this team, and are they running out of time? How worried am I about this team? Oh, I'm very worried about this disguised team. Uh, Grapes, it's not been too good for them so far, I think it's fair to say. They have really struggled. As you said, they're 1-4 and four now, five series of the way through. And at this point in their season, I think right now you're not thinking about winning the entire split like we might have expected but you're thinking about how do we avoid relegation. Now, to answer the second part of your question, though, I think the fortunate thing for DSG, I don't actually think it's too late. I don't think they're running out of time because if you look at their remaining matches, they got four matches left. Next week, they have Supernova, so that's probably another L. But then the, the, their three matches in the last two weeks are against Lit, AoE, and Mirage Alliance, which are all very, very winnable. And, I mean, if you just win... Three of those, you're probably out of relegation. Even two of them, you're you're more than likely safe as well. 
uh, depending on how some other things fall. Like you put yourself in a good position. So I, I actually think that, no, it's not too late for disguised. I don't think it's too late until they've, I, unless they lose to lit. I think that's like the only way it would become doomed for them. Yeah, I suppose so. That, that's kind of why it's good that, um, especially for a team towards the bottom, that, um, you know, there are only 10 teams. The schedule is only nine regular season games. So even though you only, quote-unquote, have four matches left, that is, you know, a good uh, mark of how, um, you know, only one win can really change the tide, especially with some other teams like Lit and Wildcard specifically having a rough last couple of games in, in series. Lit, I think, has lost their last three. Wildcard started off 2-0. and They have not won a series since then. So if you're looking at teams that are also on, you know, those downward trajectories you could look at those teams you're playing lit specifically so you control your own destiny there i think for disguise that that works out pretty well but again i think for them it's not necessarily just about the fact that oh we can avoid relegation i mean this team very much has disappointed i think a lot of the time i mean the players um that we were super excited about haven't necessarily met our super high expectations of them you know when you take a look across the board tenacity um, has just kind of been fine. He actually like lost lane a, a couple times to Philip, although a lot of the time they were in counter matchups. Um, Young specifically seems like he's very pinched by his champ pool at this point, where he only seems to look good on like the one the, the characters that he seems that he's like uh, very comfortable on, specifically like the Akali. Um, he's he's been playing mostly like Akali and Azir, and even the Azir games that he's had haven't looked that good. Um, and then the bot lane has just kind of been a bit underwhelming as well. So it's it's interesting because I feel like each of these uh, players had very good seasons last year, specifically that middle core of Perry, Young, and Minwe, and it just has not really been the same this time around. Yeah, I would agree. I think that it has been, I mean, a rough split so far. Like, they're not having the individual performances that you might expect as you highlighted Grapes. I also think this team has some just pretty major issues with their team play in general. Uh, like, they, they don't seem like they know what to do to win League of Legends games, you know? And, and that's a tough spot to be in. Um... And, and yeah, I mean, losing probably to Supernova next week is definitely not going to help them, right? So so their back is definitely against the wall, and they need to start winning some games. And I think where things are going to get interesting is next week, Mirage Alliance plays Team Liquid Challengers, and then the week after that, that's when Disguise plays Mirage Alliance. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, if Disguise beats Mirage Alliance, they probably damn them to the promotion tournament right then and there uh, in week seven, um, especially if Mirage falls to Team Liquid next week. So... Like, like I said, I don't think it's too late, but yeah, I, this disguise team, they have not figured it out at all. And I think at this point, like I said, it's not about, oh, can you contend with the top teams? It's like, we have to just figure out how to scrape together a couple wins against our direct competition to avoid getting relegated. And at this point, even like finishing in like that bottom seeds of like barely making it into playoffs also isn't that great because although no it's not argue yeah we're in playoffs it's awesome like you know we'll be able to um you know you know everything resets everyone's record goes back to zero zero if you're seventh or eighth place your first round matchup is going to likely be against FlyQuest challengers or maryville who have looked very very uh very very strong throughout the start of this season and personally i'm sneaking into that eighth seed i'm Probably, honestly, even just checking off a box and saying, okay, we're going to start in loser's bracket because FlyQuest looking indomitable so far in this season. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not an ideal situation. Obviously, you would want to slide in above the bottom seeds, but, like, that's probably the reality that we're going to be living in. So, when if hey, if they hit playoff disguise, then they can think about trying to beat the top teams, but really, it is just 
they're not doomed yet. They've got some lower tier teams on their on their docket. And I think with how much parity there is uh, in everyone outside of the top three, um, it's honestly even like Mirage Alliance. I surprisingly don't think they're doomed anymore. I think they actually have a chance. Yeah. Uh, but you gotta win some games. All right, uh, you got you know this is a team you invested in in terms of Salt Street bets. Yes. So maybe not working so well. Meanwhile, Team no. Liquid won a series, although it was maybe the messiest series of all time, also against Cincinnati Fear, personally. Um, just just saying, you know. Um, you got four matches left here for Disguised. How many do you think they're win? Ooh, that's a great question. The over unders at one and a half. Where you are you taking the over or the under? I think I'll take. I think I'm going to take the under. I think Lit's got him. I think this Lit team has wow. got some fight in them. So uh, that probably sends them down to promotion. Is that, that right? That yeah. probably is going to be the backbreaker for them. Uh, if assuming they clear Mirage, yeah, that's probably the backbreaker. But I'm going to take Lit. I think it's under. I think um, I think AOE puts him away. And I think this. I think Lit has a chance. I, that that has a chance to be a very very big series for these two teams because. Like Lit is also going to be in a position where they're going to be two and five because they're not going to beat Maryville next week, probably. Although I don't know, I feel like Lit could be that random ass team to do it. But Lit, but assuming... Lit is one of those teams that is like that can I think beat anyone. Yeah, they're weird. So like assuming like that goes as expected though, there's a very real world where a two and five uh, Lit is playing a one and five disguised. Or well, no, probably a two and five disguise because they would have already played Mirage Alliance, and that's like battle for promotion tournament right there, which would be pretty yeah. brutal for both those uh, clubs. We get that battle before even the last week of the season, which would be an interesting one to keep an eye on as we head throughout the end of spring. Let's head into our second topic, our second headline. Also talking about a matchup that happened in the NACL, but it was also about one of our top teams. Maryville University took down Wildcard in a very convincing 2-0 sweep. However, the way the reason I brought this this topic up and the, why we want to talk about it specifically, Hawk, is that um, these are two collegiate cores in a way. Maryville are, you know, obviously a university of their own. Wildcard holding a lot of the St. Louis University players. And, um, you know, recently, as far as recently as a couple weeks ago in the like collegiate polls that have come out, people have regarded St. Louis as actually being better than Maryville. However, in the last poll that came out a little a couple of days ago, it's Maryville at the top, and then St. Louis, I think, at second or third, depending on... I forgot exactly where that was. Um, but, of course, the biggest difference between those those two squads is that Wildcard does not have Surdy up in the top lane here. They have Quacker instead. So, my question to you, Hawk, is, is this number one ranking for Maryville in terms of collegiate justified? And if Surdy got swapped into the slew team... Would it actually make a difference if we get towards those North Conference playoffs? No way, man. <laughs> it would not make a difference. Look, I think Sardi's a good player. and uh, But I think the fact remains that, I mean, Maryville with this roster, assuming they keep this roster for the whole year, is, as we have seen, a high-tier contender challengers roster. Scary Jerry and Zyko are performing well above expectations, and they have... Maybe the best top side in the league. I mean, the only other argument is FlyQuest. You remove FlyQuest from the equation. I, I, I think very highly of Winnie, Surdy, and Dark Wings, but I think when you're up against the likes of Yuji, Spyrax, and Niles, uh, it's really hard to claim that that uh, Maryville has, or rather Wildcard slash Slew has an argument right there. And honestly, I don't think Surdy has really been Thanos this split so far either. Like, he's been good. He's been really solid, 
But I also think that it's easy for Surdy to be this good when the rest of the map's winning. And there have been some stinkers in there. I mean, yeah. I know he was sick for like that one week where he died 11 times on Rumble. But um, I'm about to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. That one I don't put too much stake in. But like, I, I don't think it has been like any sort of 1v9 30 performances. I don't think the team has needed to operate through him. And while he definitely has the individual talent to go toe to toe with every single top laner in collegiate, uh, and that includes Niles for sure. Uh, and I, in fact, I mean, I would say that 30 is probably better than Niles. I, I don't think it tips the scales enough in slew slash wildcard's favor to overcome a Maryville that, I mean, is just a well-oiled machine right now and feels like they can win everywhere. Yeah, I, I think I agree, especially with how Maryville has been playing so far. It seems like they're like on a bit of a hot streak if you... Uh, like want to want to put those yeah. words like together like they are playing really good specifically at the moment right now and I think that justifies them being the number one ranked collegiate team in the country yeah. or in the region. Um, I think honestly like I think Quacker's a good player and yeah I think um, Quacker's good too. That's the other part of the equation is that yeah. Quacker is not like a pushover. And and in that series against Maryville, I don't think Quacker was the reason at all why they lost. In fact, in in some of their the games in in some of those games. It seemed like he was like probably one of the bright spots, but I mean it wasn't enough because he was like playing Cassante into Aatrox or something and just kind of like staying even in CS. Um, I think the big difference in that series actually was in the jungle where Yuji seemingly like was able to understand what when he wanted to do, which you know as per usual is camp the bot lane and help Aaron get ahead, and did the exact same thing but a little bit better and helped Scary Jerry and Zyko really really get onto the board um they snowballed that first game out of control before it even ended up mattering and in, in game two kind of the same the only reason it extended a little bit longer was because smolder was, yeah. was in the game and aaron had a couple of cheeky kills towards the the back half of that game so i mean overall yeah i, I say i say maryville definitely has the edge i honestly feel like maryville is kind of just a bad stylistic matchup for this slew core as well where i feel like maryville does not need any one person to win the game for them, right? Like they're able to win through anywhere. And I think even an upgrade in top for slew, I think for this core, we have demonstrated at this point now that they've been playing together for the better part of two years now is that they're not really able to win too many games. If you're not able to snowball Winnie and Aaron. And I think scary Jerry and Zyko are not tested by Aaron and Doxa in the two V two as much. And I think Yuji and Spyrax are I mean, the the finest mid-jungle that we have in Collegiate uh, and maybe in, in the NACL as well. So, yeah, it just feels like Wildcard slash Slew is not able to activate their win conditions against Maryville no matter who's winning, even if you put in a better top laner. And maybe that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, it, it just feels like Maryville has their number in that way. Well, maybe what about not subbing in their top laner but having their top laner sub in the rest, the entire rest of the team? Because this week, <laughs> probably the biggest matchup of the season so far, Maryville against yeah. FlyQuest. So they'll get, Surdy will have the ability to kind of avenge his boys a little bit from his collegiate squad. What do you think about that game? Yeah, that's going to be, oh, that's going to be a banger. I mean, both these teams have looked so clearly above the rest. Um, and yeah that's gonna be a good one we've got like a, a sort of resurgence of a young bot lane scary jerry has looked fantastic so far against uh sajet and chime which was the biggest sort of question mark unproven lane coming into the season you have definitely the two best mid jungles going up against each other in uh quad shaded against yuji's firax um and then we'll get to see niles and sardi show off against one another i mean this this is going to be a face-off of the ages i feel like these two teams 
you know, we talk about stylistic matchups. I think they match into each other both very well in the sense that these teams are able to win through everywhere, and it's really just going to come down to whoever's able to play better together as a team. I think this is going to be a huge test of the two finest teams that we have in Challengers. I really hope it goes three. Part of me is is rooting for Maryville, not because I don't like FlyQuest or anything like that, but I think many people have FlyQuest kind of just slated in as, yeah. oh yeah, like Maryville's in first, but FlyQuest is still the best team because yeah. of preseason expectations. If we get like a shift in that and, and, and FlyQuest end up dropping that series, that's when things get really interesting again. Because right now it seems like most people kind of have a general idea of where these teams stack up. Um, I'm all for chaos, yeah. especially in this season. I mean, so look, I'm, I'll I'm say... I'm down for a Maryville win. We can move on from this topic in just a sec, but all I'll say is uh, Maryville and FlyQuest have the exact same win-loss so far. They're both 10-2. and two. Maryville's had a harder strength of schedule. They're the only ones that have doled out a loss to Supernova, so... All right. All right, that's the argument right there. We'll see what happens later this week, but let's move on to talk about the qualifiers. And we have some big news to share that we have also just recently learned ourselves. Uh, it was announced on Wednesday evening, actually literally a couple hours before we ended up deciding to record this episode of Salty Runback, that there's a bit of a change in terms of how qualifiers are going to be coverage, covered for this season or for this next upcoming tournament specifically. Right, listen to some of the feedback, and now community streams will be allowed in some capacity here for the remaining qualifiers. So I think the official policy moving forward will be that teams will be allowed to stream their Swiss matches, which are on live, but then after that, um, only a select number of people will be allowed to co-stream or or you know be a community streamer for the qualifiers broadcast. It's it's a little bit it's pretty similar to what happened, honestly last spring almost yeah. where there was an official rally cry broadcast and then other people were able to fill in and be those community streams um the official riot part i don't think is is necessarily in the works here for this split we'll see what happens down the line what we do know is that tier three tonight is expected to continue and so make sure to stay tuned for that in terms of all your coverage about the qualifiers every thursday because there will be at uh, you know, up to four matches happening at the same time. So if you aren't able to watch all of them and you want to just get a quick update in the same format with the same content, that'll still be around. And we are figuring out what we want to do in terms of streaming the games themselves on the weekends. We definitely want to do something in some capacity. We're just not sure what our, our schedule and workload looks like so far. But uh, I guess really quick, Hawk, as I pass it over to you, what are your thoughts about the changes overall? I mean, it's great. You know, I, I'm, I'm really glad that the community is getting what it's been asking for for the last month. Uh, I think... You know, it shows that Riot's listening and they're making changes and they're receiving feedback. Uh, and, you know, even though the question could always be asked of like, oh, why, was this, why wasn't this done sooner, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I think people are just generally going to be happy that the change has been made. And we're here now. And I think that's what matters the most. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I like the qualifiers happening live is important. And, honestly, I think a good comparison is it's going to be really similar to 2021 Tier 3 tournaments when everything's just going to kind of happen on our own. It's going to be the wild west a little bit, but we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. And um, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't have like a lot to say about this other than I'm very happy that the community is now going to have access to these live streams uh, like they've been asking for. And um, you know, I'm glad that we got here. Yeah. You know, creating that pipeline for both the players to get um, their game streamed and to have scouts get, 
easier access to watching tape of them to maybe get promoted to that next level. To even the, the, the broadcast talent, which is something that we always try to, to talk about here on Salty Runback, giving them the opportunity to prove themselves on, on broadcasts like this is also very important. I think the biggest difference, obviously, is that the quote-unquote official coverage of this is still going to be like that post-show that happens a few days after instead of a main live broadcast. Um, I don't know what the policy is in terms of why that was uh, you know, decided in, in terms of budget or in terms of wanting to overlap with, not wanting to overlap officially with the NACL broadcast, but um, I hope eventually we can bring back that main broadcast, even if community streams are still going to be needed to supplement the remaining coverage, because I think that was a perfect solution to 2021, yeah. where you could create like uh, an environment for people to get these full-time, you know, these these gigs and, and work um, and have that main broadcast for people to tune into for full coverage. But then for the games that are unable to be streamed, you can have other people kind of tune in and, and, and throw their hat in the ring themselves. Yeah. guess it's just a question of money and only time will tell there because I agree. I mean, I, in an ideal world, there is an official live coverage of the games, but based on what Grapes and I have been told at this moment, which we have not figured out all the details, uh, it does not seem that that will be the case for the foreseeable future so we'll see yeah, i mean still still make sure to tune into tier three tonight we're still going to be putting out a lot of good content with that we have some fun segments planned for for next week which we've already talked about which is very rare for us to like have a segment that we're planning like yeah. in advance but um that should be fun i'm excited to to, to run definitely that on on thursday so make sure to tune, stay tuned for that and we'll talk a little bit more about tier three tonight overall in our part two but let's move on to the actual qualifiers themselves and the games that took place because it was finals weekend last weekend and a team that we weren't even talking about in the last episode of Salty Runback ended up taking the whole damn thing. Aporia, the team that lost to Morningstar White in the quarterfinals and was granted their spot after the disqualification of Morningstar, um, are now the champions. They won against um, Lotus 2-0, and they won against Winthrop 3-2. Pretty surprising, honestly, Hawk, given that we weren't expecting them to be here and how strong we thought that one specific side of the bracket was with Winthrop versus Ole Miss. Um, but given the fact that Aporia did actually lose a series, albeit to a team that eventually got disqualified, do you think of this win any lesser than you would another previous qualifier? It's an interesting question for sure, because, um, I mean, at least the way that it's worded here, does the win come with an asterisk? Yeah, it comes with an asterisk. Whether or not I think it's like lesser, uh, that, that, that maybe feels strongly worded i guess like i i don't want to put that out into the universe but there's an asterisk here for sure and i mean i think the main thing to say is that aporia played really good league of legends on that final weekend they got their second life and they took advantage of it and they deserved those wins and and like you cannot take that away from them they went out there and they beat lotus they beat winthrop and they're they're here as the champs right it is just weird because yeah does it come with an asterisk i mean morningstar white put them away 2-0, as did Winthrop in the group stage, to be fair, right? Um, but yeah, Mor Morningstar White put them away 2-0, gets banned, Aporia comes back. I think there's always going to be asterisks surrounding that, and it also is so odd, too, because, again, Aporia played really well in that finals weekend. But up until that moment in the tournament, I mean, Graves, we did not think very highly of this team at all. Uh, they got rolled over by Winthrop in the group stage. The games were competitive, they were interesting, but it was a 2-0, similar to the Morningstar White series, where... Aporia kind of just got rolled over like they did not feel like they were one of the best teams in the tournament for most of the time and I know we were having conversations about like who our player highlights are and things like that for the entire tournament and it's like yeah you know when, when you think about all the four weeks before finals weekend 
we did not really have too many conversations about Aporia. Yeah, no, that's definitely true, and obviously that changed because of their their strong performance in the semifinals and finals. You know, yeah, I mean, they played great. They played Deathless so that well that final matchup. Yeah, yeah. Music went deathless. He had Samikin going crazy on the Lux specifically in game five. I, I mean, I would argue he solo carried that game after they were down like three or four thousand gold at the ten minute mark. But um, they are going to be the only team in qualifiers history and tier two history to have lost two series in their run towards the title. I don't think that's uh, that was that's never been possible in the history it's of this happened. format before because of you know yeah you lose two and you're out basically. So. Um, yeah, congratulations to Aporia. I think at the end of the day, they beat the teams that were in front of them after you know they were given that second chance of life. Specifically, their win against Winthrop, I think, makes me feel like they are one of the strongest teams in the tournament. Yeah. Especially after they you know struggled against them and looked very complacent, I would say, the, that last weekend before, where they were kind of just letting things happen and eventually winning the game because they were better until they ran into Morningstar White. Um but at the end of the day, Hawk, you know what this really means is that Morningstar White is the official, unofficial winner of this qualifier. If you if you look at it, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, this Aporia team was. Let me think. They were four and four at the tournament, not counting open qualifier. If you count open qualifier, they were eight and five. It was an unimpressive tournament run until that final weekend. Then they destroyed Lotus. Then they beat Winthrop. And I think, really, beating Winthrop in a best-of-five, like, no one can ever argue that they don't deserve to win the tournament. Like, they beat Winthrop in a best-of-five. It's just, like, full stop. They they deserve yeah. to win the tournament, for sure. But, yeah, it's, it's a weird circumstance, and it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation when people remember this victory. And I think, especially now looking at this second qualifier, uh... And honestly, maybe this is a good segue into our, our next headline, our fifth headline. Yeah. When we look at the our, second our, qualifier... We're looking pretty supercharged in, like, our top six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say is that, uh, I guess this is a good segue, is that Aporia, or I guess now Blue Otter, as we can transition yep. into the second qualifier, um, they were at a very bad position in terms of points. They were at 60, I believe, when they, they got eliminated. They... Now they're at 120, so they doubled their points after just after this change in fate. So it would have been an 80, very, right? very. No? Well, no, because they got the 20 back for, like, winning the quarterfinals. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, they would have been in 60. So, yeah, doubling your points, being the first seed in terms of, like, points means that you went from a team that was basically needed to win the second qualifier to have a chance at promotion to now just needing a decent performance in order to get in. And I think that's a good way to segue into this next um, headline and our final one with the official seeding for the second qualifiers coming out. Blue Otter is now the name of uh, that new team, obviously, and I believe they are seeded first. Uh, I'm going to double check right now. Yes, they are seeded first, followed by Winthrop, and then a couple of new teams that have a little uh, some different caveats here. There are these new squads that have come in, revamped their rosters pretty heavily, and because of the way the point system works, they're basically going to have to win this second qualifier to earn that first seed to get into the promotion tournament. Otherwise, um, I don't think it's possible really for them to get in via points alone unless some really drastic circumstances happen here. So, Hawk, out of the rosters that, you know, are in that uh, situation, we could go through them uh, as we talk about this. Which one do you think has the best chance to actually achieve that goal? Yeah, so the two rosters that we're basically talking about at this point, for those that don't know, are really CCG and Team Fish Taco. There were some other rosters that made big changes as well, but these field grapes like the ones that are 
in this must-win position that realistically could win. For those that don't know, CCG, uh, they are changing two and a half, I suppose, of their roster slots. They're keeping Crimson and Trevor. And then Flocon going to be playing mid for half the tournament to then be replaced by Bradley. Uh, when Bradley returns from Korea, making a return to the mid lane, our prodigal son is back. And then we've also got Yukino and Instinct going into the jungle and the bottom lane, respectively, giving... Challengers League experience for everybody on this roster except for Crimson and Flocon for while Flocon is playing, which is pretty substantial. And I think Yukino, Bradley in particular, two players that have been thought of highly in the Challengers League uh, during their tenures. And then on the other side of the coin, Team Fish Taco, they've got the band back together. It's just TikTok Tony Top making their return from last spring, going to make a run for promotion. This time they have an organization behind them as well, which is extremely exciting and congratulations to them. Obviously there's a weird situation with their support snow two being potentially banned for this tournament. I don't think we need to get into that, uh, but yeah, whether, we'll it, whether it's Jito or snow playing, this feels like a team that's going, got a shot at the title. And we know our Prince of promotion Sudsy's going to want to make it back after what happened last time. So, yeah, big changes, Grapes, uh, and a lot sort of up in the air. And and I, the the wrinkle I want to add to this, these two teams are in win-now mode. Then you've got Aporia and Winthrop that made the finals that are obviously in the best position to qualify off of points. Only one of CCG or Team Fish Taco can realistically qualify. So that potentially, though, if one of them does win the tournament, leave Lotus and Ole Miss and any other team that performed well in the first qualifier potentially quaking in their boots a little bit as yeah. lotus they've now supercharged their roster they're in the hunt to win the whole thing as they have brought on odd orange and robbie bob uh which robbie bob best mid laner in the tournament last time odd orange you all know him jungler from maryville uh extremely strong player and then finally ole miss no changes but you know, they made that semifinal, and if they're looking to qualify off of points, suddenly you're, you're in a position where actually back-to-back semifinal appearances could potentially not be enough for you, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, let's, let's go through again. That was a lot this, of information that I threw. Yeah, let's, but, go through, yeah. let's go through some of it a little yeah. bit like more closely, I guess. We can talk about CCG, who actually now are in a situation where because Flocon is staying on as a sub, alongside Red, who has moved to a sub, they actually do retain their points for making it to the quarterfinals. It's not a ton. It's, I think, 55, if I'm remembering correctly. It's, like, respectable. They, they, they get to keep a respectable number of points. Yeah. The, the only problem is, obviously, um, like, the, because they won three Swiss games and not four, like, there is potentially a world where if a team like Ole Miss or, or Winthrop or Lotus end up flopping pretty hard, they could make it to the finals and lose in the finals and still have a chance. So that is, I think, different yeah. than what we're going to be talking about with, with Team Fish Taco because with them fully revamping, they are going to actually need to, to win or, or basically not get in, I, I believe, especially because they didn't make it into the quarterfinals. They have even less points than uh, well, wait a minute. in the first place. It depends on TFT subs, right? Because they only changed two players on their starting roster, assuming that Snow plays. I guess if Snow yeah, doesn't play, yeah. they're screwed. But and, and, even, and even with that, um, just the fact that they have 20 less points than CCG yeah. means they have to do That's 20 true. points better than CCG in this next round, which means they'd have to win the finals yeah. if they made the finals. Yeah, so. TFT probably has um, to win the whole thing. But... Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's such an interesting conversation, right? Because I think the main wrinkle is that CCG or TFT winning the tournament 
potentially yoinks a slot from one of our like mid tier points teams, right? Like someone that otherwise would have been in that like fourth, fifth bubble in terms of points. That's the Lotuses, Ole Miss, CCG themselves. If Team Fish Taco were to win the whole thing, ISU, those kind of teams, right? They could get a spot yoinked for them. Say they made semis again, but CCG or Team Fish Taco won the tournament. Yeah. That's like a spot gone for a points team. Whereas if Aporia or Winthrop wins the whole thing again, it doesn't matter, right? Because then you're just looking at like the points falling out. So it's a really interesting conversation to have. Which I think creates like an int- a weird situation where like it, it feels very hard. And, and if like the, just the way the format overall is, I think creates these weird situations where like you finish top four, as you said, both times you still have a chance of not making it. I, I'm, I'm curious as, as to like you know, things that we could do to maybe make it feel a little bit more fair because I like the idea of being able to come into the second qualifier after, like, you know, messing up in the first and still yeah. having a chance of making it to promotion. Uh, I think a solution that I saw being floated around is, like, we have a final tournament, which is similar to 2021, as we were already talking about, where, like, the top eight performers in terms of points play each other in, like, a big tournament and the winner, the, the top four out of those go into the promotion tournament or, or something like that, where that way everyone more people get a chance to play in rather than some teams feeling like they have to you know perform way better than than other people or, or whatnot um to to do so but yeah um, i i think it's a bad mix of single elimination and a lack of spots it just feels like there's a lot of variance because like yeah also to talk about points like a team like Ole Miss or Lotus could both really regret not winning their group <laughs> uh that could yeah, really come real. back to bite them in the ass from the first tournament again if well team... Ole Miss has now won their group because oh you're right okay you're right so sorry but Lotus but, but Lotus, Lotus could that. because if you're in a position like CCG could or ISU could totally take a spot from Lotus if they win their group at this tournament and like get a semifinals over Lotus and Lotus makes quarters like Lotus is probably out so yeah it's interesting um Grape, should we answer got? the actual question that we have yeah. before us before we um yeah who do you got CCG if, if I had to pick one between them or TFT, it's CCG. I think especially if Gito is playing TFT, I mean, I don't know. The the Tony top core, love it, but the CCG team feels like it will be on another level. Yeah, they're, they're stacked top to bottom. I mean, you, you'd have to go back to like a few years ago when Bradley was playing mid, and he, I think, swapped over to top lane to maybe get a better chance at um, you know making it to the pros, making it to LCS, because there are maybe less spots available, but... I still think he was better as a mid laner than he was a top laner, and so getting to see him do that again is going to be great. Yukino, one of the best junglers, in my opinion, in that Challengers League in spring. He was a top five MVP candidate in his first split in Challengers. Let's not forget that. Um, and Instinct, of course, you know him. He was in LCS. He got a pentakill. He's still pretty young and new. Um, my only concern for them is if they never get it together because Bradley's joining them late and Taco you know, of course, has that more of that synergy. So Right. That it's is not like Flocon sucks even happen. if Bradley does join late. Flocon had a great tournament one, except for against Sword Nico. So <laughs> oh, no, it's true. I just it's like wondering if the synergy is gonna be enough to, to build to to get all the way to tournament and if the their their like hands are gonna carry yeah. them that rest of the way. I do want to shout out another real team really quick before we move on to our part two. That's Fly Family, which I'm a, I they were an interesting one. They're seated like seventh, I think, right now. Um, or eighth, I should say, this after Pulsar, who just funny, updated man. their roster. This team is funny. Um, Dinka, Goo, Comp9, BMFX, and Skytech, who went by Metro on the official forums, which was interesting. Um, 
they could also like I feel like they also could like if if everything goes right and everything goes wrong for a couple other teams. We might see them in the promotion tournament too. Who fucking knows? I mean, yeah, th dude, <laughs> we, we totally could because like this bot lane, this is the kind of like when you're talking about rosters getting put together and you're doing your committee seating, you're like, this team looks really fucking weird, but this bot lane could totally blast everyone in this tournament. So like, it's really, I don't know, man. Like we've got a really spicy, I think like the top 11 were... I think everyone had the same 11 teams in their top 11 with a pretty big gap between that and 12. But, like, everyone's 11 were different as far as the order. And and it's going to be very competitive. And I think there's going to be some really interesting matches. I, I'm excited. Um, there are a lot of other roster changes that ended up happening that we didn't even get to talk about because we were so focused on some of the other stuff with Pulse, um, specifically, and, and Gentle Hearts making some Gentle big Hearts, changes Black as well. Rock, yeah. yeah. But, well, we can... I guess talk about that after they make it into the Swiss format um, so we can, you know, make sure to save some time for our part two, which I think is pretty interesting, where um, we're going to head to right now. It's the big poll with everybody um, asking some questions and answering them about what they thought about the qualifiers so far this season. We just wrapped up the first NACL qualifier of 2024, and there was a lot of conversation over how the tournament has been run and, of course, who some of the best players were in the event. And so we decided to take a look and ask the community what they thought about the qualifiers and how they've been run so far. Um, before we head into the second half of the spring split, we asked on our social media, so make sure to follow us on Salty Runback Pod on Twitter to make sure that you are always getting these, these updates and everyone who filled in the survey are going to be talked about a little bit here in this episode. So, Hawk, um, I, I don't know. Like, do you have anything else to add or we just get right into it? There's a lot yeah, of I mean, I'll, I'll say to preface is it was pretty all-encompassing. Like, we asked about the... Uh, the tournament as a whole, the scene as a whole, tier three tonight. We also did some fun stuff at the end with the form. It was all completely anonymous, completely unaffiliated with anybody except for me and Grapes. So uh, I, I, shout out to everyone that did fill out the form. It's always great to get community sentiment. We got, I think, actually more responses than at least I was expecting, which is very, very cool. Um, and yeah, let's let's get right on into it and talk about what tier three is like right now. Yeah, we got 65 people that ended up filling stuff in. We could go on to the next slide just to see what um, exactly the makeup was of this. Of course, we did mention that this was anonymous. However, we did ask to uh, you know for these people who filled things in to um, at least put in like their association to the space and like who they were specifically. Uh, the most people were actually coaches and staff in the qualifiers, which I think made sense considering we also sent it into the qualifiers Discord and a lot of those people read them in there. But also great representation from fans, also players in the qualifiers, some staff in the NACL and, and the LCS even, and then uh, just like people like us who work in the space. Yeah, shout out to the players, coaches, staff in the NACL, LCS. Like the fact that we had 12.5% of the responses be that, I think it's kind of cool. And also, a quarter of the uh, form audience being just people that enjoy the space, I think is really cool to see as well. Yeah, shows that people are interested in what's going on, obviously, um, and even if you're not directly related to it. Um, and, and on that note, obviously, the broadcast looks a little bit different than last year in the fact that there is not a lot of broadcast happening, at least in this first tournament. Um, and so what we asked is just to get a bit of a sense of how much of these streams and how much of the qualifiers that people actually watch um, last year, just to see like how many people were potentially missing out on not having that official coverage this time around. And an overwhelming majority either watched almost all the games live or would at least catch some of them and, and of course, follow the results and stay up to date. Which... 
honestly, way higher than I was expecting. Again, very cool to see, especially, I think, when we're talking about last year as well, maybe the publicity and outreach was not there quite like it was in, say, 2022. So the fact that still so many people that filled out this form actually were actively following the space, I think, is very, very valuable. Yeah, a couple people that, you know, just tuned into the promotion tournament. Um, I think probably just one person who was trying to be funny and wrote what are the NACL qualifiers which you know if you're not if you don't know what it is then you're not filling up the survey you know but um yeah it does, maybe does they're just fans of the show for the NACL who knows <laughs> hey, it does go to show the people that fill this stuff out um we're fans and and we're watching these streams when they were happening so yeah and people invested back in, in some space. capacity for this next tournament yeah absolutely and so now we kind of get into the meat potatoes, right? We got, okay, who are the people that actually filled out this form? Who are the people that are, I guess, consuming salty run back content slash tier three tonight content? Uh, and then we are like, all right, what are the biggest problems facing tier three right now? Because I think a lot of the discourse surrounding the tier three space up till this point has been largely negative. Uh, and so we wanted to get to the bottom of like what exactly that is. And we knew there was multiple reasons. And it seems that the biggest ones by a pretty overwhelming plurality are the streaming policy. Actually a pretty overwhelming majority. Cause honestly the lack of coverage slash attention and the streaming policy, both to me speak to the same issue. And that the biggest problem facing the qualifiers right now is that it just feels like there's not the level of outreach that potentially we could expect. Yeah, a lot of support for the stream policy and, and their you know frustration with it. Um, we also had a couple of votes for tournament format, some stuff for just the rules and DQ policy as a whole, um, and also uh, a bunch of other random write-ins. Uh, some of them were all of the above, which I think actually encapsulates another thing that maybe we should have included in the survey itself. But people generally not super happy with how things have been running. Um, of course, we'll get into the streaming policy a little bit later, but... Um, yeah, the, the tournament format I thought was an interesting one because that's yeah. what we just talked about in our last headline. There, there's been a bit of conversation about tournament format, and I, I this form, I don't want to draw too many conclusions because this was not in any way like a scientific study, but um, like it does maybe tell me that it is potentially a vocal minority of people that are, are frustrated with the format, or at the very least, if people are frustrated with the format, they do not see it as the biggest issue facing the qualifiers, right? And that regardless of the tournament format and how that may be frustrating to the teams, players, and staff that are participating, it does seem that the outreach, and I think in many ways what substantiates the tournament itself, which is that, uh, you know, the, the it, it almost legitimizes the tournament, right? When, when there are fans and people are able to watch it and consume it the way that they want to, that does definitely seem to be the biggest problem. Yep. Um, I mean, we also, on top of that, Gave them the the option, gave people the option to uh, explain their thoughts for why they answered the question the way that they did above. There were a lot of different responses. We just wanted to highlight a couple of them because, you know, obviously it'd be difficult to go through every single one. Um, but th there's some interesting stuff here. You know, we have some people talking about, you know, no live coverage. I, I, I grabbed a section of just three answers in a row, all having to do with, with no streams. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, Hawk, if you want to go through some of these other ones as well. I do think there's an interesting one. Uh, the one second from the bottom on the right. <laughs> maybe maybe we can highlight it. I don't know. Second from the bottom on the right, putting the onus on, on teams and stuff to try to make the best of the situation. I think it's definitely fair to say that on the official side, you know, there's frustration to be had with what has or has not been done regarding streaming policy and outreach and all that. 
But um, I do think a conversation we very frequently have in both tier two and tier three and even LCS is like what teams are doing to capitalize on their own brands and to build them. So I, I think that's just an interesting take right there. I don't know if I necessarily wholly agree with it, but one to draw attention to. I like the one asking for the uh, <laughs> to Cubby Rafa Kangas co-stream yeah. <laughs> vibes. Hey. I, I'm gonna. I hate to break to you guys. Wait a second. None of those three guys watch a single fucking qualifiers game. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on. You know, with a new policy in place for community streams. Yo, Grapes, I hate to burst your bubble. I hate to burst your bubble. Hey, Rafa, Rafa and Kangas, if you guys are watching, we can I remember what I did. I did. I had Cubby on Salty Runback with me uh, last year, and he's like, yeah, I don't. I haven't watched any of the tape. Like, you want to send me some, some games to watch before we talk about these teams? <laughs> Which is understandable. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to follow, but yeah. You know, I, I do think bringing... I think, I think the general like sentiment of that does actually hold some value in terms of bringing faces that are more recognizable that have bigger brands to these qualifiers and having them actually you know be um involved in a way and i think that would get people more interested um you know we have our platforms obviously but you know some people have bigger ones than ours um i do think it's cool that the 32nd seed voted in for the qualifiers is a team with sancho and nickage and hopefully they end up streaming their povs getting a couple thousand viewers for, for us oh yeah i'd be yeah. very down for that specifically um but yeah i think just getting more eyes on it is, is the biggest thing there, there are things saying um, yeah. up here that you know that they should you know make sure that to, that they're creating a, a better product um you know the the there's a comment about the vods not being uploaded on time or like with enough timeliness and they wish that they were uploaded like the night of or the day after um instead of being posted like two or three days after which has been what's been happening at, at least so far in this tournament um and, and yeah there, there's uh, i think a lot of interesting feedback we obviously aren't going to be able to cover all of it yeah um there is uh, one more interesting thing in here oh, oh go ahead you, i yeah um if you if we if you didn't mind no uh, go ahead i had another interesting one to talk about as well so yeah the top comment on the right column says that tournament format does not currently support long-term development and incentivizes orgs to make roster changes between tournaments to qualify for the promotion tournament. And I think that goes back to what we were saying um, with the format and, and just how the point system works in general over, over the course of two tournaments where you have to win like very, very quickly in order to have any sort of success. I think... I think I'm slowly starting to buy in to the idea of having this like play in tournament to of like the top eight or ten teams. Just do the gulag again. Do the gulag again, just like we did it with ten, you know? Yeah, or, or something something like that, where maybe it's a little bit more structured and, and built out so you play yeah. a little bit more series. Maybe like a double Elim promotion bracket to get into the promotion tournament could be interesting. Um although that might just be that a, might just be a, a little bit too a tournament. I, yeah, that that seems like uh, a lot, but Something, um, something to make it more developmentally based. Because yeah. I, I think that's that's true in the fact that you know you see orgs like Pulse are already making changes very quickly. Teamfish Taco with two of their younger developmental players like Hoarder and Limo just get booted because you know this team wants to make promotion tournament. That was their goal coming into it. Um, to even teams like yeah, like Gentle Hearts as well. So just like those are those three specifically like catch my attention as teams that like had young talent and then had to dump them because they weren't performing immediately. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with the take of, like, I would like to see more incentive for teams to fight for promotion. I honestly maybe disagree with the take of, like, it's not promoting long-term development, because I'm going to be honest, I don't think 
that this is a unique situation with the four-team promotion that teams like every one of their mom makes roster changes in tier three anyway. So like, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree That's with that true. sentiment. I don't disagree. Like I, I just like, don't know if I buy in fully to that logic. It's an interesting take kind of segues into the last thing that I wanted to say was interesting as well. The one on the top left talking, basically insinuating that the purpose of tier three is to get players into the next level. I disagree with this take a lot. Um, this is something that has been instilled in us grapes since 22. Um, ever since we got into this, like, Look, I, I get it. Like, a lot of the point here is that people want to go pro. They want to keep moving up. No one wants to be no cues forever. Like, I'm totally with that. But I think if you, the existence of Tier 3 is married to the prospect of making it to Tier 2 or pro, I, I, I think that's a very shallow way of, of looking at things. Like, honestly, it, it to me is the sim, same argument of, like, what's the point of the spring split when the summer splits the one that gets you to worlds for example right like when people talk about international tournaments and, and professional play because it's like if you're if you're seeing these tournaments as only a stepping stone to some higher level that a vast majority of people won't ever see i think that's a very slippery slope and i do think that delegitimizes something that's here like I think the point of tier three and what we should always be striving to do is to make this level of composition uh, competition as interesting as possible. And we should yeah. be telling player stories and we should be growing brands and getting people's names out there. But I think if you're doing it with the intention of seeing those names in the LCS one day or in tier two one day, uh, I, 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 I disagree with that being a purpose um, because I, I mean, think there needs to be inherent value found in this league. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that, that is a function of this scene to get people up to the next it's level. It's a function, we've seen, yeah. We've seen many LCS players at this point even now go through the qualifiers at some point where you think of Meech over over on 100 Thieves, you think of Masu over on FlyQuest right now. Um, this is a pipeline, and it does work that way. Um, it's not necessarily the only, you know, point behind it as well though like right people are in the qualifiers for a multitude of different reasons whether it's to just play some fun games with your friends or to potentially get scouted and move up to that next level as a way to prove yourself so yeah um i i think we should be creating a system where you know a pipeline does exist and we do yep. you know create opportunities but it doesn't always have to be the whole thing which which is why this comment was a little bit confusing to me because um they they talked about then like how covering the games like is something that they wanted and that's why that's the reason because i feel like it, while while that is the case like covering the games provides many other purposes right other exactly just we, we we should be covering the games to create a a functional product for tier three because tier three deserves to exist as tier three right and there is inherent there needs to be inherent value in tier three and i think this comment is a little bit shallow in its take of broadcast not existing is simply hindering players getting to pro that can be true but if that's your only reason it just it feels very disingenuous to the vast majority of players and the purpose of this league yeah let's talk about what the broadcast is looking like for at least this last tournament where we had um pov streams finally becoming allowed we had the tier three tonight show every thursday um recapping all the games that ended up happening and the vods up late up uploaded somewhere throughout the week uh we put this on a scale of one to seven where one is where they are very unsatisfied and seven is where they are very satisfied and every option did get a vote however most of that is trending towards the negative side around two one and three which are the the most voted for options Yep, we have a very right-skewed curve here. And uh, honestly, I don't think there's much to be said. People clearly dissatisfied. I do think we've covered that pretty well. 
yeah, I, I think I think the shift for maybe everything being one to two is like POV streams being allowed um, and, and things like that. But um, talk about tier three tonight a little bit as well. Um, looks like some people actually are learning about the show for the first time, which is great. Um, you can tune in every Thursday. Yeah. And 75% of people that follow Salty Runback seem to have heard of Tier 3 tonight. So shout out to the fans that uh, knew that this is happening. I am i don't know if I'm surprised that that number is at 75 because I think it should be higher or lower, but thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess going into this next option here where we asked how much of this show that they've been watching this split is where maybe we could have a, a little bit more of a nuanced conversation because it seems like, you know, a majority of people, that's 29% plus 29%, have either not watched any of the show or have only seen, like, the tier list and stuff that we, like, post online after the fact, um, which is a little bit sad, especially considering when you think about the percentage of people that filled in the option of, I've watched a lot of the qualifiers last year. Not all of them yeah. are, are getting sent back to our show that we're putting out uh, throughout the week. And it's a difficult position to be in, and it's kind of hard to figure out, like, what the reasoning for this is, given our audience, like, the, the reach of this form in particular, because this is not a survey of the entire Tier 3 Tonight audience. This is a survey of the Salty Runback audience, more or less, right? So it, it's a little nuanced, I suppose, and, and, you know, there's some confounding variables, but it's hard to say because a big part of our goal, Grapes, is we wanted the show to be very accessible to people uh, to get their qualifier fix without having to do like the legwork, I suppose, of watching a ton of games and they could just watch this hour and a half show and basically have everything they could need. That was the point. So it's meant to be accessible for people both in the space. So that way, when there's no games being live streamed and things like that, they're able to, uh, you know, very easily make up that, that deficit without needing to spend too much time watching VODs or whatever. And then also... Uh, for new new people to the space, right? We wanted to really reach them and, and be accessible. Um, so when this is the answer, it's like, ah, oh, damn, I can't decide if people are not seeing Tier 3 tonight as worthwhile in that way or if the reasoning is just that, uh, you know, our, our target audience of this forum is not quite there, but it is an interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I feel... I feel like, um, you know, I'm going to... Say, I'm going to say it right now. I think Rallycry slash Riot could do a better job of publicizing the, the content. It's on the LCS Challengers channel, which generally does get a, a certain amount of views, but you know, we don't get a ton of uh, social attention. It just kind of comes out once a week. And I think the people that like follow us know that it's coming out, but maybe not as many other people like really know what it's about. Um, and if this is like your official coverage of this show, I, I wish there was maybe a little bit more focus and attention being, being put on it. Uh, and a little bit more effort. Um, but uh, I think some of that also just comes down to people just prefer watching the games and instead of just watching the content all, all on their own and things like that because, you know, they just they just prefer watching the League of Legends game instead of watching us talk about the League of Legends game, which I think is also fair. Yep. <laughs> but are people satisfied, Grapes? That's the question. And maybe that kind of flows into this conversation. Seems like relatively yes this time we have a left skewed graph i'm very happy that this is a left skewed graph i think i would have cried if it was not um not very many votes in the basement some people kind of feeling lukewarm about the show but generally reception does seem to be somewhat positive obviously votes are lower because this is only amongst the people that have watched tier three tonight 
Yeah, but I am glad that most of the people that are watching it find it worthwhile, find it entertaining, find it effective in terms of giving themselves giving them coverage because I feel like we put a lot of effort into into creating this product and I feel personally very proud about like what we were able to put out every week yeah, on very short I agree. notice. And so seeing that people at least the people that are watching are appreciating it and thinking that it's it's good does make me um happy about that. I just you know, I you know, I think the goal is to, to get more people exposed to it so more people can, you know, appreciate its effectiveness, I guess. Yeah, and this show was always, you know, in existence because it was a viable alternative to an ideal solution, right? So um, the fact that, you know, I'm hoping, hopefully most people recognize that and have at least been enjoying the content. It seems like, maybe we can honestly move on, the general sentiment has been that uh, people have enjoyed the show for what it is, it's just not what they wish it would be, which obviously is not something that we have total control over. Uh, and for those that gave... Uh, very targeted feedback it is actually really appreciated because we we do like the constructive criticism and we want to continue innovating on what this product is um but yeah it, it is it is a show like grape said we've put in a lot of work and so for those of you that did say that they like the show for what it is uh that is also very meaningful and and like grape said we i feel personally as well proud of the material that we have put out because Y'all, it takes a lot of fucking work. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And we've really been trying to showcase player stories and things like that. Yeah, I mean, we've made more content than the NACL broadcast has on players this, this season. I, I, I think it's safe to say we have like yeah. what, four or five things come out every week, yeah. um, which no knock to the NACL broadcast because they're busy covering the games. and you know, we're not They're busy covering the games and they're dealing with a very difficult situation as well. So, yeah, I... so, so we're, you know, all in, all in, all in, you know, different situations obviously but i'm glad that we've been able to bring back at least part of what i think made tier three so good in 2022 which was all the content that we were able to put out whether it was a dk rap or or the other content pieces of like getting players involved as well um i feel like we were able to to, to go back to that a little bit which was something that was missing in my opinion in 2023 obviously the thing that's missing this year is the games being streamed although that could be changing i guess now with the community streams being allowed um but yeah, we appreciate all the feedback here. Um, the biggest comment I, I stuck up here was, it's chill. <laughs> um, if we yeah. want to dive into this a little bit more, Hawk, we could talk about some of the uh, stuff that we included in here where um, there was a take saying, I think the work itself is fantastic, um, but I wish it was a few days sooner after OQ game days, even if it was shorter. And yeah. then combined with another comment that said, it should make it an 8 to 10 minute short recap to get new fans interested. I think that one was really interesting, the 8 to 10 minute short recap. Something we could explore for future. The So... The timing, not something that we have control over. Uh, that is sort of the position that we're in for that. I wish we could do it sooner as well. Like, man, if we could put it out on a Monday night or whatever, that would be great. But we, we don't have control over the timing of the show, unfortunately. The recap, something that we could explore uh, if we're really trying to blitz, like, the, uh, the audience of people that is not involved in qualifiers, right? Because I think that is really what the target audience of that would be. But that's an interesting idea. The The big comment with three paragraphs in the middle, I kind of want to unpack a little bit. This one was really interesting because um, I think there was some constructive criticism here and maybe some criticism that made me a little bit upset. Uh, Y'all, if you think, I mean, I can't speak for grapes. Like, okay, we do a little bit of interaction baiting. That is true. However, I, for myself personally, I have like authenticity and passion as huge core words for my brand. And so if you think that I just say things to get reactions, 
you're fucking cooked, mate. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I, I do, at least to, like, a very large extent, believe everything that I say. Uh, and I'm not just trying to be, like, hot take guy. Um, yeah. I might, I might come out with hot takes. I do sometimes have unorthodox opinions, but I'm not doing it just to be, like, spicy or whatever. So, I, you know, I, I just want to put that out there. Um, like, it just, whenever you put your take out, like, here's the thing. Here's the secret to all this. Is any sort of take that is not literally the most chalk vanilla thing possible is going to get interactions, right? And it's going to be taken as interaction bait. Like, man, putting Shogo as 99 OVR, that got so many Twitter impressions between a Rhino QRT and Columer's fucking hilarious, kills himself, kills himself, gets him backpack, kills himself, kills himself. Like... That got discussion. And, like, you know, it could be like, oh, Shogo's not really that good or whatever. But, like, guys, Shogo's the best ADC in the tournament, and this is, like, our way of expressing it, right? Was putting him at 99 OVR. And, and like, it's just some... It's not that deep. You know what I mean? So, anyway, that's my soapbox on that. What yeah. was really interesting about... Oh, Grapes, did you want to cut in first, or...? No, I mean, I want to back you up and say I also definitely believe everything that we say on the yeah. show we definitely have opinions that we put out there we have our tier lists that that get things that you know get people mad or excited about their their teams and things like that but yeah we really do put a lot of like thought into that and we are not like in, in, in the sense of like we want to make sure that we're doing our best to like put out accurate information and not like just yeah. oh what gets us the most likes and comments on that day um but I, I do think that the last point there is like I like analytical content and that's maybe something that we could do a little bit more of in terms of really diving deeper into specific actions that the teams are doing. I know we did some of that with like pick band data and stuff, but that's not really the same as like going yeah. deep into VODs, which I, I do I do appreciate that. And I think that that is something that we could do a little bit more of on the show. Yeah, I want to unpack this a tiny bit more because just the last thing I'll say as far as like the interaction thing, here's a good way of thinking about it. We'll never make takes because they seem like good interaction bait. Now, if we make a take and it's like, hey, that might also be good interaction bait, like maybe a little bit of a plus right there, but we never like make takes with interaction bait in mind. And I like it. it I hope that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's interesting because that's this is like a, a debate or a conversation that's happening in like the traditional sports talk yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, right it's, well, it's just a huge with JJ thing. Reddick, so that that's, yeah. I think I think it's a it's a really interesting thing to talk about. And and people like Stephen A. Smith always getting flack for you know their takes as well. And like it's <laughs> it's like it's a valid conversation. I just wanted to put my thoughts on that out there yeah. and and how that um comes off. But now again to unpack the second part of this comment a little bit more. I think this was actually really interesting constructive feedback because I do think like I can I can understand the take of maybe there's a lot of the content is very player focused and we're not as interested in I guess substantiating a lot of our opinions uh more so just laying them out given the format of the show and I do think that for that reason there potentially could be room for that more analytical content to kind of I guess like back up some of the claims made and to really deep dive a little bit more I think that's a really interesting feedback I the reason why I've personally not sprung on on that style of content is I don't like we have just had a very player focused content uh initiative as opposed to like um our opinion focus uh content initiative i guess um and and this style of analytical content would be a departure from that but it is an interesting uh thing that we could look to pilot in the future for sure 
Yeah, I'd be down to, to, to do a little bit more of that. I know it's something we discussed, and then I guess the stuff that we've been ended up creating has le leaned more towards the, the player-focused stuff, at least for now. But we, we appreciate that feedback, obviously. Yeah. The last thing in like our NACL-specific qualifier format slash discussion over the tournament overall, before we get into some of the more fun things, um, was a hypothetical that we sent out to our viewers. And it was a situation, pick one or the other kind of thing. And I think this was actually very interesting in terms of what the results actually came out with. So the two options we stuck out were that qualifier games were moved to the weekdays at night, but with an official live stream of some of the matches and community streams being allowed for the rest, or the situation where we have right now, and which yeah. would uh, you know, the people prefer. And an overwhelming majority of them, Hawk, selected the first one. They think that moving to weekdays would actually be worth it if it meant that streams would actually end up happening. And I think this is so interesting uh, because... What we were told when we were having conversations about the inception of Tier 3 Tonight, streaming policy, all that, this is back in December, um, We were when we were told that we would not be able to live cover the games, uh, we were told that there was a poll that went out to players and staff that was overwhelming majority going the other way. Now, the caveat to this is that our audience is probably very heavily biased on this issue. I mean, like, I very think... heavily biased. Um, but it's just interesting. It's interesting that there's such a difference. I think also when they put out that question of like, oh, is it weekends or is it weekdays that you prefer? My assumption is that in that question, the streams kind of weren't even thought about. That's and true. So people That's were probably, probably just thinking about what days they preferred if everything else was going to remain the same, which I think is why this conversation and this question was a little bit more interesting because it showed that maybe even if a player preferred being on the weekends or the weekdays, if it meant that streams and official coverage of the games would happen live, they'd be willing to make that sacrifice because yeah. um, even though 14.3% said they prefer what's happening right now, um, over 23 or 24% of the people that filled out our survey were actually players. So at least that means that like, at the bare minimum, like a good chunk of players would be okay with moving things over to the weekdays and would be happy with it. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's an interesting, interesting discussion that I definitely don't think it's been fully explored. Uh, and we'll see how streaming policy changing affects this as well. Yeah, let's uh, move on to our second section of this survey where we did some community awards for the first qualifier of the spring split. Uh, we did some stuff about who we thought, who the play, who people thought the best players in their role were, who the MVP of this first qualifier was, and, and a couple more interesting ones towards the end. Uh, we can start off with our top laners. Hawk, you want to take yep. a look at that? A big majority for some ones specifically. No surprises here whatsoever, as uh, Morningstar White, Yusin, definitely going to be the number one. Denethor, number two. I don't think there was really any conversation for anybody else, uh, and I think that this one makes a lot of sense. And honestly, for time, maybe we fly through these ones a little bit, Grapes. Yeah, I mean, Yusin makes a lot of sense. We included the Morningstar players in here uh, compared to in Tier 3 tonight where we decided kind of not to, I think, for the most part mm -hmm, because yep. of the fact that um, they were DQ'd as the official coverage and everything. We just wanted to see what people thought about the players overall, and it made sense. Yusin, I think, was the most impressive person in the entire event. So there he is. Uh, yep. Move on to junglers now. More people actually wanted to fill out this one, and the winner is actually music from Aporius, the first one of the, the victors there, and actually the same person we stuck in to our All-Pro or Team of the Week or Team of the Tournament uh, on Tier 3 Tonight. Yeah, which we stuck in music on our All-Pro for uh, Tier 3 Tonight. Massive Soul Never Die snub, though, if you're counting Morningstar White players, that's all I'm going to say. I think that guy was crazy. <laughs> music had a great finals weekend. I'll, I'll give went him Went Deathless there. Went Deathless in that semifinals game series, and then... 
yeah, just I think watching his POV gave you the op gave you the perspective of oh, this guy's like a big leader. He's like giving he's like you know shot calling a lot, and I think that's obviously a, a big boost as well. I wouldn't be surprised if people were swayed by that in terms of voting for him. Um, yeah. And so yeah, music jungler uh, number one here for this first tournament. Mid lane got a little bit funky here, Hawk. Mid lane did get a little bit funky as uh, it was number one Samakin, number two Sword, number three Arabi Bob. Another one grapes that I'm not sure that I agree with, but definitely big props deserved for Samakin regardless. Particularly that performance in the finals weekend again was very very impressive, and he was a huge part of the reason why Aporia was able to win the tournament. Yeah, I'm thinking about it right now. Aporia won like four series. They lost two, I think, is is overall what happened for them. Yep. Um, and Samakin. Definitely performed very well in their wins. Like that, like I, he might be the MVP of that of that finals, specifically for that game five, but also all the other games that they won. He was incredible uh, throughout that entire uh, you know part of the event. Um, I think Sword did beat him in lane a couple times, so you know good for him. Good good to see him get some votes as well. But Robbie Bob just like carried the first half of this entire event. He looked like one of the best players throughout that first half, and so. I would not be surprised to see him get boosted up a little bit. I mean, he was the person we selected on Tier 3 tonight, so um, looks like we disagree with the audience here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think people that didn't vote for Robbie Bob are maybe just uh, a little recency biased with Sam McKinn's performance last weekend, which, yeah. again, I don't I want to take an, anything could, away from the player, but... Um, I could see an argument towards Sword. I could see, I could see an argument towards Sword. Sword. I, I would have had Sam McKinn as a very clear, like... Not number one or two, <laughs> honestly, maybe not even number three. Because also looking at like who our uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth place votes are, I don't think every, <laughs> I don't think everyone that voted in this forum knows Ball Grapes, Dozer, and and Flocon. Hey, not hey, votes. don't don't disrespect the goat like that, man. Dude, Drew, Drew Dozer, Drew Dozer and Flocon not getting votes is crazy to me. I think they yeah, were. Drew so Dozer good. got he got one vote. No, he didn't. <laughs> somebody somebody voted for him. Drew he Dozer did not get. He's that little... Oh, okay. I'm looking at a, an updated form where he did not... Oh, okay. That would be why. Yeah, okay. Drew Dozer on this screenshot Sorry, got no, no votes. He got he got a little love in the uh, people that submitted after we find, we, we closed the ballot, unfortunately. Yeah. So. I, I would have potentially had Drew Dozer or Flocon. Like, I think the tier one to me was obviously Robbie Bob and Sword, and then Sam and Drew Dozer and, and uh, Flocon. But, you know, I, I definitely think Sam and did have a great performance, so... What about the, the bot laners then? We got Lynx at 10% as the winner with the overwhelming majority of people going with Shogo or Mobility. Not too surprised there. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised Mobility got so many of the votes. I mean, Mobility had a great tournament, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think, I, I, I thought compared to Lynx and Forsen, it might have been a little closer with uh, mobil uh, Mobility as well. Um, Shogo is very obviously deserving. I don't think there's much else to be said here, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I honestly would say mobility was one of the like like I think it was yeah, I mean he's definitely top four. I think you could see him closer to two or one than, than three or four. Um I, I did like how in the in the music VODs after like the first couple of wins that they took, Aporia uh, were all memeing Lynx for being a ninety three. Yeah, that <laughs> that was funny. Um, hey Lynx um, tried to lose that game, game five though, so <laughs> <laughs> hey, he he came back at the end, but, but he, did yeah, back, he did come back. He did little, come back. He did come back. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess maybe people voting for mobility saw that. Um, yeah, he beat Shogo in the best of three, and you know some of them Shogo and Rhino struggled a little bit in the in the early game. Um, 
Mobility so. definitely had... Like, I mean, he had a really solid performance at this tournament across the board. I think he had a good finals weekend overall. Like, he lost 2v2 to Lynx and Rovex in, like, one or two of the games, but then won 2v2 in one or two of the games. So it was kind of, like, pretty even. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out to Shogo, though. I think he, he won our yeah. award there. That so was the obvious choice. There. Uh, we go into support, which I thought was really hard to pick personally. I, I think every I think there were a bunch of supports that played pretty well, and unsurprisingly, just the, the team with the winning support, Rovex, ends up getting selected. Um, I thought he played well in the finals. His Blitzcrank game, obviously very solid towards the end. Um, there he is. Yeah, honestly, this vote shook out about as exactly as I would have expected, and this is probably the closest to my own sentiment alongside the top lane vote. Those ones felt the most consistent with my thoughts. Only thing I'd maybe say is like, I think Nausicaa is snubbed for, like, a vote. I think he was actually really, really good, particularly on Bard. But, um, yeah, I think Rovex, Chucky's, Rhino Mixture, Pika Pika, those those were the guys that I'd have in that in that realm. Yeah, I, I like, it was very hard for us to choose one. It, yeah. With Rovex, just because they won the tournament, and I think he played really well towards the end. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they all... All were solid. They were all good. Yeah. The better laner. Chucky's like really good at team fighting. Revex just kind of good overall. Um, I know we had that tweet go out, Hawk, where we talking about his shot calling and, and how we thought that, that was his comms were helpful. So um, <laughs> He doesn't say much, that. but he's got yeah. that stupid sexy voice, and every time he uses it, it's just so, it's so, like, it was valuable. It was good comms. Yeah. All right. That's it for all of our positions. Let's go on to, to MVP. Uh, it was a full write in ballot. So I had to count individually, like, who people filled in. And we had a tie at the top of the leaderboard for Music and Yusin over on Morningstar, White, and Aporia, respectively. Man, they were so close to each other. They and are. I'm very surprised. I'm, I'm honestly a bit surprised to see Music. Um, I am after, too. you know, Yusin played so well, I guess we could say. But, I mean, definitely performed very well in that finals weekend. I, I, I think it's a very solid leader for Aporia overall. I also think it's interesting that Mobility got more MVP votes than Shogo as well. Um which is kind of an interesting story. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like in a world in which Morningstar White is part of the voting, you are fried if you're not voting you sin man. I I don't know. I, I think that's I the big thing. Like you're so fucking fried if you're not voting for that guy. I don't know what to say. Or Shogo. Shogo's acceptable as well. Uh if we're talking most valuable. Um, I, I don't think I would have had music in my top three. However, congratulations to music again. I mean, like, I, I'm not going to take away from the fact that he did have a really good performance. Yeah, I, I think made sense. The audience ended up selecting him. Samakin, I think also most like if you had a finals MVP vote, Samakin yes. wins a hundred percent finals um, MVP, nowhere near tournament MVP. I'm sorry, Samakin, you're not in my top five. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, finals MVP. Definitely, <laughs> definitely the finals MVP, though. And I think that's probably where people are coming from, especially with just, you know, they won the tournament, and he played well in the finals, so give him give him some votes. Give yeah. Him some love. Hey, if um, also, if we were doing it NACL style, most valuable prospect, maybe we throw Samakin's name ooh. in that list, right? But yeah, most yeah, valuable yeah. player, I'm sorry. You get the finals MVP. You do not get the second place MVP from me. <laughs> Well, after the recap of the first tournament, we decided to ask our audience what they thought about the future. It's our next question. We asked them to choose the four teams that would make it into the promotion tournament. And this hawk got really interesting. We had them 
be able to basically select as many people as they wanted, but the goal is because, you know, you can't just have them pick four on Google Forms. The goal is to have them pick four. Um, and Winthrop actually ahead of Aporia at first place with 60 out of the 61 responses saying they're going to make it. Yep. And I think it's so interesting that so many people still believe in Winthrop. I think for good reason. They were the best team in the tournament aside from Morningstar White before they got banned and aside from one out of the five games, really, against Aporia. Like, the, the, that was such a close series. I think Winthrop had winning positions in game two and in game five. I really think that's a series they want back. And it almost, I, I think it's valid to think that Winthrop is on uh, that same level. Aporia, they're an obvious one. I think Ole Miss at 42 is really shocking to me. People really believing in this team. I guess, well, okay. The the OQ2 rosters hadn't been leaked, so maybe it yep. does make a lot of sense. I think CCG, Team Fish Taco, and Lotus would have had more votes if those rosters had been leaked at this point. I mean, to be fair, I think Ole Miss outplayed Lotus pretty, like, oh, like yeah, they, had yeah. the better, but, they had the better loss in the semifinals compared to Lotus, obviously. And so I just I just reminded myself, like, I think it makes sense to have them as an overwhelming third, given the rosters from OQ1. And I think maybe some people might have been aware of, like, the changes happening. Some people maybe weren't. I still think Ole Miss is a very strong contender to making it into the promotion tournament if things go the right way um they have like the, the they have the players that if they're all you know getting off on the right, right side of the bed they could beat anybody they took a game off winthrop i wouldn't be I, like they they had an opportunity to take two and so i would not be surprised to see them in the mix what i am surprised to see is team fish taco That's actually so being a fucking well before the Lotus. roster got announced by the way <laughs> Because yeah. because of the way that they finish in the standings, like they basically would have had to win the tournament, and I guess in the same way as we talked about in the part one, they need to win the tournament in order to get in. And so, twenty three percent of the people in this poll are confident that Team Fish Taco is coming out first. I want to also point out the one vote for Team Tony Top, the soul read right there coming from whoever put that <laughs> one in. That's pretty funny to me. <laughs> yeah, a couple of votes for for Morningstar White. I don't think they're participating in this qualifier, which is unfortunate. And so, with that being said, um. Those write-ins, unfortunately, don't end up working out. But, um, yeah, shout-out to, to Taco. We'll see if they're able to prove people right. I wonder if people will be filling in CCG with the same excitement if we submitted this poll and, and handed it out a little bit earlier. Or a little bit later, I guess. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I, I, I And we talked about the headlines, but it's an interesting question, and I think we're in for a really... Like, I will say... You know, you can talk about the tournament format all you want, but I, I definitely think there is still a very competitive race for promotion between a solid six, seven teams. So keep your eyes out, y'all. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the second tournament with all the all the excitement about you know these winner win now teams, a ton of really talented rosters. It's gonna be fun. So make sure you you tune into any coverage that you potentially could. Our last question, which is gonna lead lead us on to a. Um, you know, forward-thinking mindset as we end off this episode is talking about the promotion tournament. How many current NACL qualifiers teams are going to promote to the NACL at the end of the team at the end of the season? And the split, almost everybody thinks at least one of these NACL teams talk is going down, which I think is an interesting take. Actually, there's been a lot more parity in the Challengers League than we've been expecting, and I can't decide if it's because I think all the teams in Challengers League suck or like, uh or what right um but it's an interesting thought process because we've now had two splits in a row in which 
multiple teams have pretty easily promoted into the challengers. We've only had one out of six teams defend their spot successfully. Like that's pretty crazy. Um, and so you would think like at some point there would be the stability for it to balance out. But then of course you have roster changes and like Mirage Alliance downgraded after being a super team last split, etc. So it's a really interesting question. And I think for that reason, like statistically, I feel like one is a pretty safe answer because like a team like Winthrop definitely has a good shot. I'd probably have picked one if I got a vote. But if I had to choose a second option, I actually might have been closer to zero than two, which is an interesting thing to think about. Because it's, It really depends on how good you think the NACL actually is this split. Yeah. Like that, if that's what it comes down to. If a team like CCG ends up clicking and makes the promotion tournament, like they're gonna beat some of the bottom tier NACL teams, I think, because that team is very stacked with talent. I think if they're all playing at their A game, to the extent that they can beat everybody in the qualifiers to win that first tournament and make it into the the Premiership tournament, um, then yeah, I think they they'll have a good shot. Uh, and then you know other teams like Winthrop and, and Aporia, I'll also definitely have potential and have people that have been there before. So I'm excited to to watch that tournament as well when it when it ends up happening. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And yeah, that's going to do it for our survey. Thank you, for everybody, for tuning in and uh, coming all the way through to this extended part two, but a lot of good information. Thank you to everybody who filled out the survey as well. As you know, Maybe we'll do something like this again in the future. It was interesting to hear y'all everyone's thoughts on, on things. Yeah, the survey definitely was extremely valuable. And one more shout out to everyone that filled it out. I, I really did enjoy getting to go through all of the results but grapes that does bring us to the end of our episode so make sure you catch open qualifier number two with community streams and uh pov streams find all your favorite players and organizations that are going to be streaming each and every single one of the games hopefully uh and um i know we finally got our wish as a community we're going to have that live coverage coming and we still have tier three tonight coverage coming at you on thursdays 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific in 90 minutes or less we've also got CLO central on friday this week we have st louis university on the docket you're not going to want to miss it all that north conference action follow me and grapes follow us at Southly runback pod as well and if you think that nobody is going to promote into the nacl you can take everything we said with a grain of salt. If you think that tier three today just sucks and you hate me and grapes and we only say things for interaction bait, you can take it with a grain of salt. I've been Hawk. That's been Grapes. Have a good night, everyone.